0: chapter 15. And, uh, and I'm going to flip to Isaiah chapter 5 later, but uh, we'll get to that. You don't have to flip there if you don't want to, but um, I do want you to see so you know I ain't making none of this up. Uh, there's some heavy stuff and some pretty hairy things that are happening uh, that, that's going to be in our text this morning. Uh, so I, I pray that God gives us ears to hear uh, the word of God. So let me just get into, uh, into it because, boy, we got a lot to cover. John chapter 15, and we're going to pick it up in verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. (laughs) I don't know why i got to say it like that. For all that I have heard from my Father I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask in the Father in my name, he may give it to you, these things I command you, so that you will love one another. There's a lot of abiding, a lot of fruit, a lot of burning going on in this text. We we better pray, so let's pray over the, the reading of God's Word. God Though we may have physically heard my voice, it is your word that's been spoken. I pray, God, that you align our hearts with your heart. Give us ears to hear, but not just hearers only. Let's put feet on the ground with the gospel of Christ and take it out in the streets. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus says, I am the true vine. Now, if you know your Old Testament history, you know that this imagery of the vineyard is very familiar, especially with the listeners uh, of what's happening in this text. Uh, And I think of Isaiah 80 uh, or or Psalm 80. And then particularly, I I wrote down and I jotted down Isaiah chapter 5. And I want to read this to you just so that we can get an idea of what, what this big, important idea of being this I am the vine really means Because what we're going to see is that Israel was referenced as the vine As the vineyard, but they failed They were just a bunch of complete Utter failures, listen to Isaiah Chapter 5 verse 1, let me sing for my beloved My song, my love song concerning His vineyard My beloved had a vineyard on a very Fertile hill, he dug it and he cleared it Into stones, he cleared it of stones And planted it with choice vines He built a watchtower in the midst of it and he hewed out of the wine vat in it, and he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O oh inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there for the, what more was there to do for my vineyard, that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do with my vineyard. I will remove its hedge. And it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed and briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are in his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed for righteousness, but behold, an outcry. Hear the rebuke that God has for his vineyard. It's like It's like you had one job, but you screwed it up. It's like the movie Home Alone. You know, when Kevin spills all the drinks, his uncle comes in. He's like, look what you did, you little jerk. <laughs> like, this sounds like what Isaiah is telling me. He's like, look what you did, you children of Israel, you little jerks. You had one job. You were supposed to produce fruit, but you messed it up. You screwed up things. You ain't nothing but a bunch of screw-ups is Matthew's translation of Isaiah chapter 5, the screaming prophet, telling these jokers, you had one Job. And so Jesus comes into the narrative of Scripture and says, You see how they screwed things up, how they were supposed to produce the fruit? I am the vine. I'm going to do that which they could not do. The Father will produce the fruit of righteousness through me. You screwed things up, you messed things up, but I am the vine. I will do that which you will never be able to accomplish. And then speaks to us today. You think that in your efforts, you think that in your do goodism, you think that by your um, works based righteousness, it is going to appease to God. And Jesus says, I'll have none of that. I will become that. I will do the work that you can't do. I am divine. So Jesus is like, listen, I know you cannot carry that weight, boys. You'll never be able to carry it. So I'm doing something for you that you'll never be able to do. That is incredible news for us this morning. Because by your own efforts, you'll never be able to stand righteous before a holy and perfect God. But Jesus steps in and says, I- I'm the vine. I- I'll be the vine for you. And I'll do the fruit that you can't produce. <laughs> the fruit of righteousness. And so he continues because things get a little hairy in here. I don't know why I say hairy. That's, that gives you a bad image. I'm, I apologize. There's, he, he talks about two types of branches that are happening here. One of the branches that he mentions here before we get to the other branch. One of the branches is the branch that does not produce fruit. This is a branch that later in verse 6, if you read it, what does he do? He gathers it up and he makes a bonfire with it. You know the imagery he's giving? I'm casting it, and it's doomed and damned to hell. How is it possible to say that you are a branch, and still God takes you and puts you in this category of the pile of the fire? How is that possible? It's incredibly possible. It's, impos- it's, it's very possible for us to say the right things. It's, it's very possible for us to come to church. It's, it's very possible for you to say, I'm a good person, do good deeds. And it's, and it's very possible for God to look at you and say, I have no part of you. You are not a part of the vine. Why? Why? How is that? I mean, if you, if you don't believe me, then, then let's, let's go back a few chapters and let's look at Judas. Said the right things, walked with Jesus physically, gave the appearance, did all the right things, said the prayers with Jesus, learned the father's, the, the, learned the, the prayer of Jesus, did all the good things. Friends, this is dangerous. This should come to a warning to all of us that if you are not connected to the vine, God does something to you and he gathers you with the other folks who aren't producing fruit and he turns you into a bonfire. That is terrifying for some of us because, because, listen, we are in the Mecca of churches in the south where everybody is a Christian just because they perhaps may have said some prayer when they were two and a half years old, or maybe they were baptized when they were an infant, that makes them a Christian. That does not make you a Christian. You are not a part of the vine unless how you are abiding in Christ. How do we abide in Christ? That's the question. But before we get there, we got to talk about this other branch because this is shattering news. So if you are abiding in Christ, what happens? You abide in Christ. So for me, I'm like, Bro, we get to hop, skip, and jump with Jesus and do an interpretive dance and, like, wave the banners and flags and have, like, a human video. Like, this is awesome. I would never have a human video, just FYI. But I'm just saying, like, like this is incredible. Like, we think it's going to be a life filled with all these blessings reigning from heaven because now I abide with Christ. But then he throws this wrench. If you abide in Christ, guess what happens? You get pruned. <laughs> Gee thanks Jesus All right. I was looking for a more hearty response you get pruned this is the Christian life that very few of us really want to accept as a reality let me, let me tell you how you know if you're abiding in Christ if you are being pruned now I don't know a whole lot about plants and planting but I do know some some things I know I despise pecan trees because a giant limb is now in my yard that Jude is going to have to take up. <laughs> and it's huge, man. Pecan trees are the worst in five mile per hour winds, the whole tree comes down, right? I also know that with, with roses, right, there's, there's like a romantic side of me, actually I'm, I'm probably not the most, most romantic person. Um, <laughs> if you take off the dead bulbs, what happens? You're going to get some new growth, and it's healthy for it. It's healthy for when certain p- plants are pruned. You do it for what reason? Because you love clipping, and you want to turn it into some weird shape? Maybe you do. I don't know. I don't do that, but you do that for what reason? For new growth. It's not the judgment of God that he prunes you. It's because he is in love with you because he sees so much more of you that is supposed to come out, and the only way that comes out is not by riding the wave of the Holy Spirit, having Shekinah glory follow you and pushing you up on the cloud. That's not how you get to it. How do you experience the growth of a Christian? He prunes you. God prunes the ones that he loves Friends, if you've been in a season of pruning, that is an indicator that God is getting ready to bring growth into your life. Hey, that requires a praise break for me. Amen? Some of you Baptists didn't get that, but you'll catch on later. Let me talk about this other section that's going on here. All right, so abiding, we still ain't covered that. We still ain't talked about, it. like, what does it mean to abide then? Like, how do we abide? Well, let's, let's talk about this, and let's, let's read. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do you all you want to. And doing you and doing it your way will get you nowhere. (laughs) But if you are abiding in Christ suddenly. That which you were created to become begins to flourish and you'll never be that which God has created you and wired you to become unless you abide in. With Christ, like you can't even produce good works without Christ. And in fact, what that should do is allow us to breathe this morning. Now it's it's really hot in here, so don't breathe too heavy, okay? Um, the, but that what that should do is that that should cause us to breathe this morning. Like it's not in my own effort; it's Christ working through me is how I do the good works. You can't do anything without God. Now, now that may seem terrifying for some of you because you're like, "Well, what does that even mean?" Well, it's okay. When we look at this passage, it's, it's easy for us just to say verse 1 through 17, but remember the broader uh, scope of things. Jesus started this conversation with them a couple chapters ago. So you got to look at this in full context of what's happening here. He just said how you'll do any of these things. Y'all remember? The Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit inside of you. That's how you accomplish producing good fruit now because that seems like it's overwhelming but how you'll do it not by your good works but by the holy spirit inside of you now now let's talk through like what are some of these good fruit like i immediately went to galatians 5 you may have learned this growing up like what is it the fruit of the spirit galatians 5 verse 22 but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self control Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh in its passions and desires. If you lack patience, you're probably not loving. If you just look at some of these and you just try to take a couple of them out and say, I'm, I'm good at that, the rest of them will fall apart for you. If you lack love, then you're probably not walking with Jesus. If you lack true joy, then you may not be abiding in Jesus. If you have some of the fruit and not all of the fruit, then you are in danger, friends. You are in danger of what Christ said, that he will pluck you out of the vine. Because you are not producing fruit. You can't just pick and choose which one you want. This is fruit of the Spirit. This isn't fruits. You don't get to say, well, I think I'll do good with joy, but you know what? Loving, mm-mm. You don't know my spouse. And I ain't talking about Miranda, Willie. I was telling you, you better calm down over there now. <laughs> Trying to get me in the doghouse. It's true. If you, I mean, if you like some of these, you're probably doing terrible at the rest, but there's a call on you for this fruit of the Spirit to grow in you. All of this fruit of the Spirit keep looking we've already covered six verse seven it says if you abide in me and my words abide in you I, I got to cover this ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you because I think sometimes when we look at this version like up oh. I do get the Ferrari <laughs> all I got to do is just say in Jesus name because Jesus Jesus just said he's my genie I just got to rub the bottle and 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 so and so I'm gonna ask Jesus for a huge raise just so I could get a nice bigger house that's not how it works how many of you come on you've asked for the Ferrari the Bentley and you threw in now I hope none of you have realistically probably some of us have asked for ridiculous things just for our own sake and it didn't happen well I threw in in Jesus name it's because your heart is not aligned with the heart of God your prayer is not aligned with the will of God This is when this reality becomes true for us. When we align our hearts in our prayers with the will of the Father. God, make my marriage healthy. Good prayer. You want to see it answered? Abide in Christ. God, save my children. Save my community. You want to see that prayer answered? Because he'll answer it. Abide in Christ. Those are prayers that move the heart of God asking for something to selfishly push you beyond other people and give you more influence and more power, that does not move the heart of God. That is self-serving and egotistical, and you are narcissist If you think that God is going to come down and be your butler, that is not the God that we serve. It's a weak, pathetic God that you think you have that he's in your favor, and he's supposed to do all these things that you ask. Just because you think you're attaching in Jesus' name, it's in a farce. Jesus is saying, when you align your heart with my heart, your prayers with my will, ask me anything, and I'll do it. Want to see a community transformed by the power of the gospel? Ask me, and I'll do it. Want to see lives transformed and come from death, to life, ask. Like, Jesus just asked for those things. Now, on the, on the other side of the spectrum, my fear for us is that some of us are just asking for small things. God, if you just help me make it today. Right? Yeah. Well, God, just let me make it to, to heaven. Amen. <laughs> good prayer it is not mocking it but when god has given us the keys to ask him to do incredible giant kingdom things yet we settle with so many small things yeah. jesus looks at his boy and says you ask me whatever and i'll do it yeah. still haven't answered the question what does it mean to abide because this is going to get confusing for some of you. Verse 10, because it was confusing to me. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. Now, you know, some of us may think, so if I obey, then I abide. It's not what Jesus is saying. He says, if you abide in my love, then then you'll obey my command. It's not the other way around. It's not obey his commands and then you'll love him. It's as you grow into his love, then you'll obey his commands. It is a growth into God's love. It's a love of God. As you abide in the love of God, listen to me, your disobedience begins to fade into an obedience to the Lord. Don't get that twisted. Don't think that it's you've got to obey and you've got to do all the right things. Mark off the checklist just so you could abide in him. That's what we call uh, in our theology a works-based theology, which is heresy. In in modern terms, it's do-goodism. Well, if I'm just a good person, then I'll abide in Christ. That's not what he's saying here. Please don't get that mixed up because that is every religion in the world. If you, then he. Christianity is he, then you. He loves, you abide in his love, and then the outworking of the love, the fruits, is that you obey Christ. How do we abide You fill your life with things that will move your heart close to Jesus. What is stirring you closer to Christ? Listen, it's what we call the spiritual disciplines. And I'm not trying, and hear me, I'm not trying to legalize this thing out. but, But the reality of it is, what will move you closer to Christ is time with Christ. What will move you closer to Jesus, what will grow your love for Jesus Christ, is you getting on your knees and praying to him. What will grow a deep love and affection to the Father and to Jesus is you studying his word. Let me tell you what probably won't stir my affections. What probably won't stir my affections is the amount of time that I spend watching Netflix. (laughs) <laughs> the, the amount of time, the useless amount of time that I spend watching the news. Y'all need to pray for me because it's just, it makes me angry. The amount of time that I watch sports, it's ridiculous because I become a crazy version of Matthew. The alter ego uh, of, of my personality comes out and it's just not good for my children or my wife. Those things do not move me closer. Towards my love for Jesus Christ. In fact, what it does is it creates a barrier. Watch so much Netflix, then, then what happens? It desensitizes. I'm not telling you to stop watching Netflix. I'm not telling you to stop gaming. I'm not telling you to stop playing uh, Call of Duty because Call of Duty is just gonna make you go shoot somebody and do meth. I don't believe that. That went down dark really fast, so I apologize. <laughs> I have never heard of a case of that. It's just weird. My brain, pray for me. I don't think that that's going to happen. Just, (laughs) let's reel this thing back in, folks. I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm saying too much of those things will create a barrier. And there's no way that your heart will be further stirred into the love of God, and I think it's fair to say I don't. I mean, I don't know what's robbing you of your affections for Christ. It may be a fair assessment for you to take. Verse eleven says, "These things I've spoken to you. I Man, this is so powerful that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full." Why is it that he says all these commandments? So that you have joy. He didn't say so that I have joy. Jesus is like, hey, this is so that you can bask in joy. So that you can be filled with joy. Like this isn't supposed to be hard. And I think we've tried to make this difficult. Listen, his yoke is light, his burden is easy. He's not saying this is going to be difficult. He's doing this so that we experience something that the world can never experience. And that is joy, because joy is non-circumstantial. That's happiness. And I'm not saying for you to be an angry person. You need happiness. And let's just be honest in this room. More of us need to be more happy. I thought I'd have a bigger amen than that, than what y'all just said, okay? Okay. Some of us have been looking like we've been eating some sour candy our whole life. You just need to be happy. So I'm not discarding the reality of happiness. But let's be be honest about happiness. It's extremely circumstantial. And it's very fragile. Happiness is here one second somebody smarts off to you, somebody says something to you rude on social media, Somebody, one of your kids gets sassy with you, and all you want to do is just smack them upside the head, don't smack them upside the head, because defects or DHR may be called in your house, I'm just saying, um, but, but there's this reality, because, because happiness will leave in a split second, but joy, what Christ gives you, does not exit the scene, It doesn't leave you when that moron cuts in front of you on the highway. It doesn't leave you. I think I cut you off yesterday. I apologize. It doesn't (laughs) leave you when you go through trauma in life. Happiness may, and that's okay, be sad. But the joy of the Lord will still be there despite whatever that trauma is that you're facing. That's the difference between a Christian and one who does not believe That if I'm suffering, if I'm being pruned, if my child is sick, if my child bangs his head and we have to go rush him to the ER, if any of these things happen, if I have to follow behind an ambulance, behind my child, if if I'm going through a deep, dark season in my life, the dark night of my soul, despite all of it, I've got joy because I've got Christ. And how i got joy? I'm abiding in Jesus Christ. How am I abiding in Christ? I'm following him. I'm trusting him. And I I would venture to say, if you lack joy, the reality of it is, is you probably lack Jesus in your life. Let me just quickly move to this next part, and I want to close. Listen to what he says. This is my commandment. This is verse 17, I believe, or 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you, Because this is what abiding looks like. Saying you love Jesus. Hear me. Please hear me. Saying you love Jesus. Yet you do not love people. is so cross mocking. And it is anti Christ. That's what that is. Some of us can spout scriptures off our mouth. And we could come in here and we can. We can do the sanctified thing. We can raise our hand and we can say the prayers in Jesus' name. But here the reality of this is, if you're abiding in Christ, you love people. Because if you don't love people, you don't love Christ. And you sure enough don't have Christ. There are two huge marks. In fact, I would venture to say these are the biggest marks of Christianity that are being presented to us in these simple 17 verses. The two marks of Christianity. You ready for them? Joy and the love for people. And the reality of it is, friends, if you don't have those things in your life, you are not abiding with Jesus. Now, I know that seems overwhelming but Jesus is going to give you an on-ramp because there's grace let me just quickly just ask a few things if we know if we're abiding and trusting in Jesus that Jesus really just told us I'm just repeating the text here how you know if you're abiding with Christ if you're producing fruit you're abiding if you're experiencing pruning you're abiding. If your prayers are getting some answers, you're abiding. If you have joy, you're abiding. And if you have a genuine love for your brothers and sisters around you and for people, you're abiding. Let me throw this caution in there. And I don't want you to look at this and say, well, how much fruit do I have to bear? Because I think we can do that. Well, now we just legalize this whole thing, preacher. (laughs) So how much fruit? That's I think that's the wrong question. This passage is about Jesus doing what you couldn't do. That's what this is about. Jesus doing what you couldn't do and you abiding in that. The gospel of Christ. You could not do it. Jesus did. The reality of the gospel, the beauty of the gospel of Jesus is that your good works, they'll stand before a holy and righteous God And they'll be viewed as filthy. But then Christ comes in as the vine. He says, I'm going to produce the fruit of righteousness. And if you're a part of that, then the Father no longer sees you as a slave and dead to sin, but he sees you as the righteous ones. Do you want to abide with Christ this morning? Friends, if you don't abide with him, if you're not abiding with him, And hear the call this morning. Surrender. Follow. Believe. That's it. It's the message of the Gospel of John. Just believe. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, for your word.